How much romance do you like in your games? How do you create drama before the game even begins? And are you a magical girl or a necromancer? Hello, friends. Welcome to Characters Without Stories, a TTRPG podcast about the roads not yet traveled. I'm Star. This episode, I'm joined by Amelia and Ryan, the two hosts of the Character Creation Cast podcast, a show where they discuss and create characters with guests using the guests' favorite games. Amelia does most of the social media organizing and graphic design for the podcast and was also an Ennies judge for two years. Ryan does the editing and production while also dabbling in game design and freelance audio editing. Ryan and Amelia, I'll give you a chance to plug your projects at the end, but right now, do you want to tell listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Amelia, do you want to go first? Sure. Alphabetically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm Amelia Antrim. I am um, currently mostly just doing our podcast. That's kind of my main creative thing. I wasn't an East judge for two years. Um, Then they require you to take a year off. So I'm going to apply, hopefully, to do it next year, Um, which for people that don't know, the Ennies are the big RPG awards. Um, they present them every year at Gen Con, and it was so much fun. I am a single mom of two children. That really kind of like is all of my time. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's most of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm Ryan Bolter, and I I. I'm an editing fiend, apparently. Uh, I, I do the editing for Character Creation Cast, also one of the co-hosts. Um, and I do a whole bunch of freelance editing, uh, from actual plays to uh, discussion podcasts to uh, some audio dramas here and there, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so there there's a whole slew of things that I do behind the scenes as well. Um, and I also dabble in uh, game design and, and whatnot. Uh, by, by day, I'm a computer program team lead, and by, by night, I'm a podcaster, I guess, and father of two. So, Oh, I guess that technically I dabble in game design now, too, since we're working on a game. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then I guess also in my, in my day job, I work in oncology research. Since Ryan said his day job. <laughs> yeah. I'm the person that does all the paperwork for. Oh, fine. The yeah. And and Amelia is the reason why our podcast is so organized. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm professionally type A. <laughs> so I'm curious, how did you guys meet and start podcasting? The, says <laughs> Amelia laughs. <laughs> we, we met. Because we decided to start a podcast together. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's- <laughs> um, we were we are part of this like Twitter DM group of people that do podcasting, and because we were both kind of vaguely interested in making a podcast and listen to a lot of podcasts, um, so we had some mutual friends, and then one day a tweet from Ryan showed up in my Twitter feed that said, you know, what if there was a podcast about creating characters? Because everybody does actual play, but, like, we don't hear about character creation. And I replied and said, that sounds amazing. (laughs) 
And Ryan sent me a message, was like, do you want to make a podcast with me? (laughs) (laughs) And then I sent him like this meeting agenda thing that was like, all right, (laughs) if we're doing this, here's all the stuff we have to do. Mm -hmm. And like a day later, we had registered um, an email address. We decided on a name for the podcast. And we were like, let's do this. It it took like, what, uh, a a solid month of just planning. We we didn't even like video chat for what it was like a couple weeks after we decided to do that i think it was only only a week or so um but we didn't meet in person i think until that trip to chicago which was a full two months into actually That's making right. the that show um and about four months into the project itself <laughs> that's wild <laughs> that that is truly wild we were invited to to go uh, to the One Shot Podcast Network uh, to, that's another funny story, uh, but uh, long story short, James D'Amato said, hey, I want your podcast on our network after we reached out, hey, we want to do a sh- an episode with you because one of his good friends, Alex Roberts, was recorded with us for our third series and uh, and she couldn't stop talking about the show. So we said, well, that's cool. Uh, I was I was cool. Amelia was freaking out because James D'Amato was like, uh, you know, a real big name to her. And I'm like, I've heard of one shot. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, I was like in a panic because I was like, we will drive to Chicago. We will because you know, we are only about I'm about two hours away. Ryan's about three and a half hours. So I was like, we're going to drive to Chicago. We're going to do this. And I'm like, yeah. panicking. And Ryan was like, cool, I guess we'll go do this. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first time we'd met in person. Yeah. It was several months into making this podcast. I know a lot of people are like super good friends and then they decide to make a podcast. And we were like, we've never met each other. We don't know anything about each other. What if we made a show? Right. <laughs> and now we're very good friends. We and are. It's worked out really well. We have really good chemistry, but um, yeah, it's not the traditional route. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's that's for sure. That's that's kind of amazing, that story. Yeah, we, we both lucked out, I think. So the two of you made these characters on your own podcast with the game designer. The game is called Pasión de las Pasiones, and it just came out on Valentine's Day. And the game designer is Brandon Leon Gambetta. So I'm really excited because you are going to be able, dear listeners, to go to their podcast, listen to how they built the characters with the game designer, and now we're going to talk more about them. So this is really fun. Yeah, absolutely. This is probably our messiest duo uh, in the in the show history uh, in terms of the the amount of like uh, sweet sweet drama that is possible between the two. Yes. I'm, and I'm also just really excited to talk this through because the the real pain of our show is that we make characters. Every month we sit down and we make characters and we never, ever, ever play them. Nope. Like, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> we didn't take that into account. It's, it's a true tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't think about that before we started a show. I thought about it, but I I, I thought it was going to be one of those like, oh, it's it's going to be a funny little bit. 
Uh, and it's just turned into torture yeah. over the five years. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> this is why my podcast exists, is because mm -hmm. that pain is very familiar to a lot of TTRPG fans. <laughs> Definitely. So let's talk just a little bit about Pasión de las Pasiones. Can you kind of give a brief rundown of what the game is? Yeah, it's a uh, Powered by the Apocalypse game, uh, which means it's relatively rules light uh, from the player facing standpoint. It's a it's a game that you play as characters in a telenovela and you're playing to to kind of find out what happens, all the drama and, and steaminess that that happens in uh, telenovelas is a lot of the tropes that the game plays on uh, for people that aren't familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse, it's a type of system that pulls heavily on genre and the mechanics of the game kind of like uh, reinforce that drama at every turn. Pasión de las Pasiones, everything pushes towards kissing or drama in this <laughs> game uh, and it's fantastic. Brandon was on our show, like our second episode, I think, and mentioned that he was making this game. And ever since then, I've been following it and really excited about it because it does really lean into these tropes of creating drama between players. And it's very story focused and everything is meant to to kind of happen really fast and be really over the top. So it's not like a combat, not not a lot of careful consideration and planning of how you're going to do things. It's very much like, what do I want to do in the moment? Okay, do it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, who are you bringing to the table? Sure. Uh, so my character is using the El Jefe playbook. Uh, El Jefe is like, your quintessential, like, I guess, villainous boss type character, right? This is the, the type of character that's got some goons that they can pull upon. And uh, they they generally try to get what they want. And, and they generally succeed by, you know, strong arming the rest of uh, the people that they're interacting with. Um, so Alhefe is a pretty... Uh, Pretty bad character for the most part, uh, but I created Catalina, who is uh, somebody that was uh, the the lover of the uh, captain of the ship that we were on. The, the ship is like this private yacht owned by Lorenzo, and uh, Lorenzo mysteriously fell overboard and was lost at sea one day. And oh, no. there's there's no idea what happened and my character Catalina has been just consumed with grief trying to trying to keep Lorenzo's business afloat and trying to see whether or not this boat can get sold as per Lorenzo's final thoughts of what he wanted to do with the boat and definitely not hoping to collect any life insurance money and <laughs> You know, definitely yeah. it wasn't your fault yeah. at all. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I, there's yeah. no way I would have, no way never. I would have done anything to Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah, part of this game is that you kind of get to pick where your telenovela is set and everything. And we opted to set ours on this private yacht in the ocean. 
Um, and that was the mysterious disappearance slash possible murder of Lorenzo was kind of the center of our of our story. Does your telenovela have a name? Uh, I don't no, think I we don't did think name we it, did we? Did. Oh, that is a I serious know. oversight. <laughs> you could correct that now. <laughs> I'm disappointed in us. I I I know that the the boat's name was uh, Daddy, and <laughs> oh, that's right. And <laughs> and there was a uh, a key uh, harpoon item on the on the boat uh, named Issues. So like, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, we should probably call Daddy this issues. Daddy. Yeah. Issues. So there was a lot yeah. of like uh, <laughs> everybody in the cast of the main characters we created have some sort of uh connection to Lorenzo and uh the three of the people I believe had some sort of like relation to him directly and one was like kind of this business associate right um yes that's right Brandon's character was like the best friend and yeah. Elsbeth was playing Lorenzo's sister I think Mm-hmm. And then I was the former business associate slash pining lover. Yes. <laughs> and also, uh, Amelia's character was my twin. Ooh. What, so, Amelia, tell me about your character. Yeah, I picked El Gemelo um, for my playbook, which is the twin. Um, and that's really your your whole thing is being um, duplicitous and confusing people and pretending to be your twin and causing problems. Uh, so I decided to be Ryan's twin. Um, and I was the former business partner of our boat's captain, Lorenzo, but really had been in love with him secretly and was actually the person that introduced Ryan's character, Catalina, to Lorenzo. And so there was a lot of jealousy and I had been kind of like sidelined from our business. And so I had a quarrel with Lorenzo as well because he'd kind of pushed me out. So I couldn't get all of our money. My character's name was Esperanza. And there's and there's no way that you would have had any motive to to push Lorenzo off the edge of that boat on that fateful night. No. No, of course not. <laughs> my for my character's looks, too, I I picked that my hair was glossier than yours. <laughs> that, like, no matter how good your hair looked, mine was shinier. Mm-hmm. My <laughs> eyes were slightly darker. Um, it was just like, no matter what room we were in, I was hotter. Yeah. That was important <laughs> to me. <laughs> but, like, nobody could tell us apart, which is great. Yeah. No, my tops are always just a little lower cut than yours, just so slightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An extra button, uh, unbuttoned That's here and there. That's right. That's right. We said, like, it's it's all about how many buttons you have unbuttoned. And whatever you had, I had one less. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that could go south pretty quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> it could. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, question about that, then. You, you made a decision to make your character prettier. How did Catalina feel about that? Um, well, I mean, it's it's all part of the game, right? Like right. Catalina is, uh, you know, always thinks that she's one-upping uh, Esperanza anyway, 
regardless of the looks because, you know, Catalina got the man. She probably knows that Esperanza was pining after Lorenzo as well. Did you do it on purpose? I Maybe. Maybe. Because, mm. like, I imagine that our characters had a history of, like, competition with one another growing up, right? Oh, definitely. So, like, you had this, like, nice, sweet business arrangement with Lorenzo. And then when I when I first met Lorenzo, um, I imagine Catalina was thinking, oh, well, here we go. It's on. Now's my chance. Was it your fault, then, that Lorenzo kicked me out of our business? Like, were you whispering in his ear, telling him to do that? You know, I, I, I'd be willing to bet yes, uh, because like, like in a very, uh, I'm just complaining about my sister sort of way, but like in reality, it's, it's so, it would be sowing that seed of like, is this the right person I want as a business Mm -hmm. partner? It's like, you're not even currently playing the game and already there's so much drama. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the, that's the beauty of Passion de las Passiones. Yes. You get all that sweet background drama during character creation, mm. right? Um, so when you jump into the game, you have all this good stuff to pounce on. Yeah, it, each playbook asks relationship questions between the characters. So, for example, mine said, blank is your twin and has something you want more than anything else in the world. So I had picked Catalina as my twin, and the something I wanted more than anything else in the world was Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and mine was uh, a blank has been a thorn in my side, uh, so obviously I chose Esperanza for that, uh, so that way we could have that on paper as our relationship is kind of uh, at odds with one another. Mm-hmm. I like the moves for my playbook, too, because they really lean into this trope of being the evil twin, mostly. Um, one of the moves that I had was called, That Wasn't Me. It says, <laughs> when someone sets a scene with you or your twin, you can mark a condition to switch what, which one of you is really there. Amazing. So anyone in the game could come in and... They're talking to Ryan's character, and I could just mark this as my move and say, nope, actually, it's me there, but they don't know that. The game is brilliant. It, I mean, it sounds amazing. I am itching to try it. Ryan, question for you. You're playing a woman. Yeah, I mm-hmm. don't believe you identify as a woman. Uh, no, not entirely. Like, de- demi-male uh, is is the technical uh term for the gender which is uh kind of fluid on the inside Mm -hmm. between masculine and feminine ideals you use he and they for your pronouns how does it feel to be playing a woman do you struggle with that at all particularly in a game that focuses on sexuality and romance it's almost second nature to me because of how i feel about all that inside with my gender it was actually one of the things that sparked the realization of being demigendered, right? Mm-hmm. Because I always, I always gravitated towards 
female characters more often than not. Something felt a little off of playing like pure masculine characters. So this is kind of a uh, a way for me to kind of explore that part of my personality in a game that, you know, I normally can't explore in in real life, right? I think you've made a lot more feminine characters on our show than not. Absolutely. I guess we would have to go back and count, but I want to say that the majority of your characters have been feminine. It's it's usually the case. It's probably a little bit of projection of that that inner self onto the character, but it just feels better and more natural. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot on our show, too, about games being this kind of tool for empathy Mm -hmm. and it is one of the places where you're kind of in a safe space and you can try out those kinds of things in a controlled environment definitely and so i especially like the idea of people getting to kind of play out some of those gender roles in games and see what feels right what feels good and being able to do some self-discovery with that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, having said all of that, uh, Dirt Stranglethorn, uh, one <laughs> of the one of one of the OG uh, characters from season one, basically, probably my most masculine character, a real dirtbag, and I would probably have a lot of fun playing as him because he's nothing like I am. So, like, trying to play to a redemption arc for somebody that's that's all about stealing and murdering in a Wild West setting, uh, <laughs> it's just like, okay. That was a character-building challenge was. that I, I gave you, because Ryan is lawful good <laughs> in the strongest <laughs> sense of the word. Anytime there is some kind of healer or support playbook or character type or something like that, I can usually point it out and say, Ryan's going to pick this one. Yeah. And I'm the opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of why our chemistry works. It's um, our, our trope on our show is Ryan will always make a magical girl whenever <laughs> possible. And I will always make a necromancer whenever yep. possible. That's, I love that. I was going to ask you, Amelia, like how often do you play against type or play against kind of your own um, identity or or what you're accustomed to? Um, Almost never. (laughs) (laughs) More and more as we've gone on with the show, we've, we've stopped really kind of pushing against our type. For a while, we were really trying to make characters that were very different every series Mm. and then as we we went on we realized that there's there are just things that are more fun for us and then the challenge became can i make a necromancer or a magical girl in this system and so (laughs) that's sort of where we leaned every time my favorite spaces to play in are dramatic games that have a lot of moral gray areas. And so I like to create characters that are complicated in that way. I don't know that I've spent a ton of time really exploring a lot of myself in games. Um, I have a pretty strong sense of self. I am a bisexual woman. I'm extremely mentally ill, but I tend not to play 
mentally ill characters because it's just weird. But yeah, I, I I tend to kind of stick with what's comfortable, and and that's usually playing um, a smart, snarky, dark magic character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I would say that uh, Amelia has influenced me as a uh, player a lot more than I've probably influenced her because uh, I I the first few series. Most of my characters were very straight laced, uh, like direct to the point. But after like being challenged with Dirt Stranglethorn and and whatnot, I'll, my characters started getting a lot more complex. And I, I'm noticing myself like embracing the dark side of characters a lot more. You've started making characters that are a lot more internally complicated, yes. I think. Yeah. And I've taken a lot of cues from Amelia's characters and tried implementing them with my characters and found that the messiness is fun. <laughs> so <laughs> sticking with it. Speaking of messy... In your characters for for uh, Pasión de las Pasiones, um, they're both obviously not um, squeaky clean. <laughs> we have an evil twin and a evil boss. What is their morality like? I think that they are not. I don't think either one of them is necessarily good or bad. I think that they're just really complicated people, and I think. That's a thing that I would love to explore in a game. Pasión ne isn't necessarily meant for exploring super deep emotional mm. stories. <laughs> it's meant for drama. Um, but I think if it was a different system or a game that kind of supported that, it would be a lot of time exploring why they are like that and what things have led to that, like, why do we hate each other? What happened right. there that made us so competitive? And um, what are our reasons for doing the things that we do? Why did Catalina need to steal Lorenzo? One of the things that we definitely didn't decide when we were doing our, our character creation episodes was decide who actually killed Lorenzo. Right. That was a thing that we left open. And if we played the game, I'm not sure I would even want to know who did it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we all had very strong reasons to do it. And I I don't know. I don't know that I would be rooting for anybody there. No, I, I would be along for the ride to find out who did it, even if that somebody was me. Right. <laughs> yes. If, if Catalina ended up being the murderer, I'd be just as shocked as everybody else. Mm hmm which is a fantastic way to go into playing a game. I think in the in the realm of Passion, though, uh, Catalina is a very bad person. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, she, she is very manipulative. Uh, she will pretend to be a good person to get what she wants, if it serves her right. So so she she became Lorenzo's lover because he had a lot of money. He was probably good looking and it was a way to one up her sister. Right. 
those aren't good things to be aspiring for. <laughs> so no, no. And, and like at every turn, like yeah, she probably manipulated Lorenzo into forcing Esperanza out of the business a bit and trying to wiggle her way into Lorenzo's will. Right. So if anything bad happened to him, she would get the money. Right. I mean, that's the thing, because we decided, too, that we didn't know if either of you were actually married. Like, right. was it official? Was it legal? Yeah. And so there was the question, too, of even if you did kill Lorenzo, were you even in his will? Or, like, that's legally, right. could you even inherit Yeah, anything? because it wasn't a legal marriage. So they, they, they got married in the heat of the moment, right? With mm-hmm. no witnesses. But with Lorenzo being a captain, he's able to marry people, but not himself to another person. So, like, Catalina thinks, yeah, that we were married. I'm, I'm entitled to this. But, like, it was never, like, official, right? And I think you had been telling everybody that it was official. It was a yes. done deal. Yeah. Like, you had married Lorenzo. Yeah. But you also kind of knew that you yes. hadn't really? And... and uh, Catalina also knows that one of the other characters, Elspeth's character, that was Milena. Milena is one of the biggest inheritors of Lorenzo's stuff in the will. Right. She is Lorenzo's sister. But nobody else knows that. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody else knows that but Catalina. So Catalina is telling everybody, I'm the biggest one in the will. You know, I've I've got control of everything. Don't worry about it. I'll I'll take care of you all. Meanwhile, she's trying to cozy up with Milena because Milena is the one that's going to get everything. Right. She's technically Lorenzo's next of yeah, kin, not you. Exactly. It's so so messy. Quick plug for you guys' podcast because I really enjoyed that part of the episode where you were talking about the marriage that was not really a marriage. It's like <laughs> such a fun way to come up with a conflict before the game starts. It's it's really delicious thinking about all of the ways that these things are going to be revealed in the game. Just like the <gasps> that moment <Yeah. laughs> in the telenovela. I know. I know. And that's... <laughs> That's part of what made this one especially hard to not play because there's we created all of these hooks and mm. all of this drama, and we'll never find out who killed Lorenzo. We'll never know. <laughs> we're never gonna know. Well, like I say at the end of every episode, may your characters find their story. <laughs> I hope. I hope you get to play them someday. Yes. Yes. So you mentioned that you weren't sure if Lorenzo was attractive. And I just want to say he's a character in a telenovela, right? Everyone is attractive. I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Of course he is. Of course he is. So on that, what do both of you look like? Uh, Ryan, if you want to tell me first about Catalina. Um, So let's see. Catalina, um, I think she had uh, like long, dark hair, if I remember correctly. I have your character sheet here in front of me. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you picked styled hair, paranoid eyes, and expensive <laughs> clothes. Yeah. So you can kind of expand on what those mean, but those are the three that you, you went for. So she always is on the lookout for trouble, right? That's why the paranoid eyes. She's She's always trying to be one or two steps ahead of everybody because she believes everybody's kind of 
trying to get her. And that probably stems from the competition with Esperanza her whole life. From the fact that Esperanza is always trying to get her. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's got this this like styled blonde dark hair. And uh, and and she wears like you know really expensive like business style clothing to to kind of give this air of like I'm in charge, you can trust me, you know don't don't question my authority because I am the one that holds all the cards at all times. And I know the two of you are twins, but Amelia, how does Esperanza's appearance differ? I picked that my hair was glossier so like the choices in here were bouncier darker longer slicker and i i wrote my own in as glossier everything in here is like all of the look options that it gives you are more (laughs) right Mm -hmm. angrier colder darker um so yeah i said i just had glossier hair i had darker eyes and then i picked risque clothes Uh, So it's just in every way. We are twins, but I'm just a little bit hotter. (laughs) (laughs) But not enough that you can tell the difference because we switch places sometimes. Yeah. Uh, All you have to do is literally button up one button and nobody can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's my my secret disguise. I'm like, ooh, we're going to trade places and Uh I just button one more. (laughs) No one will ever guess. Um, except for there's one character um, that was uh, Brandon's character, Armando. Um, Armando could tell the difference every time. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the relationship. Yeah, that was my yeah relationship question. I wrote, Armando met you before they met your twin, and can usually tell it's you. Yeah. Mm. So it's so it's a nice uh, a nice extra bit of like potential drama in there, right? Right. Yeah, to have somebody in the room who knows when you're lying. Yeah. It's powerful. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I really I really wanted to do a scene where I traded places and pretended to be you. I'd really love to see how that I know. goes. I know. That yeah, having that mechanic like in your playbook specifically, it's it's just so delicious not to be able to use it, right? Like uh you you have to. Yeah get that in there somewhere right right also i just want to pretend to be you yeah and then (laughs) then you can like have my my thugs uh which are the the staff for the boat like the five staff members like a couple of them are obviously super jacked thugs but the others are like more uh you know espionage like thugs uh and so so like just interacting with them and tricking them and having them do your dirty work Sounds like it'd be a ton of fun. Yes, I bet I could get them to tell me things, mm-hmm. thinking that I'm you. Exactly. Be great. And this is why Catalina is so paranoid. <laughs> right. Right. There's a there's a podcast that I listen to. I've suggested it several times on our show, um, called Vulgar History. And one of the things that keeps coming up in there is like historical accounts of these women being paranoid. And the host Anne is always just like. But they had reason to because everyone is murdering everyone else around them. Because <laughs> usually it's about these women in royalty. And it's like, well, she was really paranoid. Yeah, because people tried to murder her like six times. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's how I feel about Catalina is just like, yeah, she's paranoid. 
because everyone's trying to get her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's at the top of her game, right? And so obviously there's going to be people that want to dethrone her basically right yep and everybody wants that money everyone wants that lorenzo money uh even if they won't admit it you know this is a thing that i love about our show that has happened over the course of our show is that ryan used to be very resistant to intra-party conflict it's one of my (laughs) favorite things in games i love causing problems um not as a player, but as a character. I don't like to to cause problems with people at my table. But Ryan was very resistant to that because you were very like, I don't want to upset anybody. But now now we're at a point five years in. We're like, I hate Esperanza. And how can I undermine her? And I stole the man of her dreams. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh-huh. And and constantly flaunted him in front of her. Yes, yes. I'm so proud of you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's very messed up. Right. Uh-huh. But it's like the game requires that. No, it may not be appropriate for all games for for there to be that much conflict. Right. Yeah. This is conflict player conflict. The RPG. Yes. It's, it's, definitely. Right. Definitely. <laughs> So I, I'll say this game is about drama, but it's also about kissing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How comfortable are you with romance and sex in games? Like, uh, I, I'm extremely comfortable with it. I haven't been able to explore it much, unfortunately, but I, I am extremely, like, romance and sex positive um, in in all, all aspects of uh, my existence. But, like... Uh, being able to play that out in a game is kind of one of those like uh, one of those dream session things that that I am still trying to attain. I got a little bit of a taste of it a while ago. There is a uh, a picture on my wall I had artwork done for of a scene that I had with another character where our our two characters were really into each other, but like they would never admit that to each other. So there's like there there was this really sweet tender moment where I was just handing her her mask and she was very vulnerable by not having her mask worn. So like there was like this really sweet moment and like that was one of the most intense emotional moments that I've ever had in a role playing game. So now I'm like give me give me all the romance you can because that sounds amazing i've had a couple games where there was there was romance involved and i've always really enjoyed it it's obviously something that you you really need to be comfortable with the people Mm -hmm. that you're playing with to kind of have those moments of vulnerability and, and awkwardness sometimes i had one game where there was another character that I was married to we were in this arranged marriage um but he was gay and i was also gay and so we both had other partners we were in this sort of political marriage but we both had other partners and we're fine with that and everything and that was a really interesting one to play too because we did love each other but not like that and so that was a really fun 
dynamic to play out that is it was somebody that you really do love but not in a romantic way and then I've had a couple games where I played the spouse of another character and got to play out some love stories and stuff it was was a lot of fun I'd love to do more of it yeah uh like one of my favorite games that I've still not had a chance to play uh Starcrossed by Alex Roberts um who we mentioned earlier is a game where you play with a Jenga tower and like the the tension of pulling the blocks and setting them on top and everything and touching the tower when you have to talk, all of that builds this very real tension inside your body that simulates the tension of longing for somebody that you cannot be with, right? That's the whole point of the game. So like that, those are like the sorts of feelings that I, I really want to dive towards is that, that like, getting to experience that that heartache and and uh that pain as well as the joy of playing out that we did a little bit when we when we played broken yeah which is a game by uh benjamin wallace and it is about the breakdown of a relationship and one of the mechanics of it is that you actually physically break objects yeah when you do it you have these objects that represent phases of your relationship and as the relationship breaks down in the game you actually break the objects um and so we did get to play that one where we had been married and things were kind of falling apart yep. and you had a hard time with that one because <laughs> you were like the point was to have these fights and uh-huh. Ryan kept trying to like equivocate and make peace <laughs> and I was like no that's not how this works <laughs> yep it took me a, a few rounds of that to to finally get what the game was going for uh I think I got there in the end yeah, we did. We did. It was very yeah. emotional and dramatic. I liked that one a lot. That was really interesting to play is the opposite of romance, but like the breakdown of a relationship was really fun and interesting. But yeah, I, I really want to play in a game that has, you know, romance and, uh, you know, intimacy and that sort of stuff, because it, it's it's one of the things that I just haven't experienced. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, so for me, I just love that slow burn romance story. This game is a little different. It's a very fiery fuse. It's it's yes. <laughs> there's not a lot yeah. of slow burn in there. So uh, it seems like it's a different kind of romance story that's being told. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, it's all over the top, too. So it's like you have a steamy romance one session and the next session they're dead to you. And now your steamy romance is with another character. And then two sessions later, now you're fighting over each other, uh, both of them. And, and it's, you know, there it could go so many different ways depending on the roles, depending on the setup. It's uh, such a brilliant setup for the game. Yeah, it, it can go very quickly from kissing to stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> Esperanza, what do you like least about yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. I think I I am very hard on myself and take it very, very personally when Catalina comes out ahead and and I feel I feel very much second best in almost everything in my life, partly because of things that Catalina has done in that competition that we have, but I think it's really spread to all aspects of my life where I 
continually just have this almost pathological need to be better and to, to win the competition and to not feel like I'm in second place all the time. Catalina, what do you like least about yourself? Yeah, I think the thing that I like least about myself would be how it 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 never feels like I truly have the upper hand. It always feels like it's an illusion that can just fall apart at any minute, that I don't have all the answers, and I just pretend that I do, and it seems to work out. Thank you both so much for being my guests on the podcast today. I have really enjoyed talking to you and hearing more about your characters. And I do hope you get the chance to play them someday. Hopefully. Yes, this was a lot of fun, though. This was it was cool to to get a chance to dig a little deeper this time. (laughs) Uh, You are always welcome to come back and talk about any of the many, many characters that you've built and never played. (laughs) Gosh, we we do have a few. Yes. (laughs) It's just going to be the two of you are going to be my guests now all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Steady supply. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. What would you like to share with my listeners? Ooh. Well, I guess as far as personal plugs, you can always listen to Character Creation Cast wherever you find podcasts. We do also have a new monthly newsletter that we put out that talks a little bit about the games we've covered, things that we're excited about. And over on our Patreon, we are doing a game design series where we are attempting to create a game that marries magical girls and necromancers. It's called Undying Bonds. And that's been a very fun project, too, that people can uh, listen to over on our Patreon feed, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For me, uh, I've got all sorts of different projects going on, uh, working on Pandas Talking Games, working on uh, a uh, Patreon-only thing for the OneShot Podcast Network, Uh, Starwall, uh, Odyssey of the Lucky Finn, uh, which is a sci-fi actual play uh, with some really killer players in that one, and a few other things here and there uh, that are not yet released. I'll keep those under wraps, but stay tuned. Uh, You'll hear all about that on our show whenever uh, those do come to fruition. I'll put all the links in the description so you can find all of Ryan and Amelia's projects and their podcast, which I highly recommend. You can find me on TikTok at S-T-A-R-M-A-M-A-C. You can also listen on YouTube. Just search for Characters Without Stories or follow the link in the description. I am nearly to 50 subscribers and would really appreciate it if you go over there and subscribe. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends. It really does mean a lot. If you would like me to send you a free button, you can go ahead and leave me some feedback at characterswithoutstories at gmail.com. Make sure to include your address so I can send you the buttons. I want to give a special shout out this week to Jim, who shared about my podcast on Twitter and got me a few more downloads. Thank you, Jim. I'm currently accepting submissions, particularly for non-D&D characters, so if you'd like to share your character, you can go to the submission form at characterswithoutstories.com. Thanks for listening, and may all your characters find their stories.